Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of The Worst Podcast on Mars, also known as Earhole Surfers. I'm Amanda. Hello, I'm Jeremy Venmo. Are you kidding? <laughs> what? Jesus Christ, I can't. We literally just started Jeremy Fiddle. <laughs> okay, anyway, this is the podcast where we talk music. Um, before I introduce the topic, do you have any corrections and or grievances you would like to discuss? Um, there are some uh, listeners, like, well, you have it on the note, but I haven't seen any feedback yet from anybody. So yeah, well, yeah. So maybe we should say we finally yeah, put this out is, the very yeah, first. Yeah, this is episode. the first one after we've been. Yeah, because we, and I've said it before, but we've we wanted to record a bunch and kind of get ahead of the game. That way, in case life got in the way, we would still be able to put out some episodes going. So we yeah, we did release our first one. It's out in the public, out in the wild. Um, Sergeant Peppers. Yeah, there there've been a few since then, but we haven't. I haven't seen any feedback. Yet. Yeah, so 10 whole listeners is what I saw. Yeah, is last I saw. I mean, it's probably up to 11 by but now. But that is, that's nine more than I thought we were going to get, to be honest. So, that's good. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to keep doing this thing, I guess, for a while and see if we can get more listeners. But, but yeah, um, let, it, let us know. Let, let us know it, what? Let us know how much she sucks at this. What? Or if you liked it, or if you didn't like it, or what Evan needs to improve because I'm beautiful and perfect. Okay. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> so anyway, um, I know I give the preview every week of what we're doing the next week, but in case you need a reminder, Evan is doing this lovely thing where he's introducing himself as some kind of pun based off of the artist we're working on. So this week he well, said... Well, the first couple weren't, but yeah. No, this week he said... Jeremy Venmo, so we're doing Johnny Cash, <laughs> we're doing At Fools and Prism, Prism is what I just said, Jesus Christ, this is going to be a long recording, Prison, released on, in, fuck me, released May 1968 and is number 77 on that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list that we're doing, so do you want to go first, because I know we just had this meeting over who's doing what and I clearly was not listening, <laughs> do you want me to start or do you want to start? No, I have a couple things to say on history, so I'll, I'll okay. take that. Okay. So, we've we've discussed as to how I, I kind of organize things. I drop uh, events in chronological order. Mm-hmm. And they typically form a straight event, which would also be known as a line. And do you know what we do with lines Snort in this episode? Them. Yes. That's actually <laughs> what I have. I was going to say, we go into the bathroom and sort them, because I figured you were going to try and actually do the Johnny Cash thing. What what Johnny Cash thing? Walk it. Oh. We walk the line. Do, 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 do. How long you going to let me do this? Please continue. Okay. So we're going to go kind of in order of a series of events that led On us to this. timeline, you will? Yes. But these events are not always unfortunate. So it's not hey, a series of, of Just can you can you continue? I'm already over this episode. Okay. 
So the song Folsom Prison Blues was written in 1953 while Johnny Cash was serving in Germany with the U.S. Air Force. It was, he, the unit watched, um, I don't remember what the movie was, but it was a movie that had Folsom in the title. Uh, Do you have that in front of you? It's called, the movie was called Inside the Walls of Folsom Prison. Okay. 1951? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, writes the song in 53, released the song in 1955. Mm-hmm. And after the song came out, he began receiving letters from inmates asking him to play in their prison. Mm-hmm. He, his first prison concert was in Huntsville State Prison in Texas in 57. Mm-hmm. It took a while, it, but in 1967, they finally proposed the idea of a live recording. Or they finally said, fine, you've played enough, we'll, we'll play a live recording. And they actually called two prisons. They called Folsom and they called San Quentin. And basically San Quentin didn't pick up the phone, then Folsom did. Okay. So that's why Folsom got picked. I think San Quentin was a few years later. Mm-hmm. So... In, on January 13th is when they recorded the album of 68. Mm-hmm. They played two shows. They had one at uh, almost at about 10 o'clock in the morning, and they had one at 9 in the afternoon. All right. Uh, at 1240. Uh, did you, do you know who showed up the day before? No, who? The governor of California. Okay. Ronald Reagan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I had that somewhere. I did these notes like two weeks ago, and I did not read them over before this. So. Uh, who had heard about the upcoming performance, stopped by the motel in Sacramento, offering his and encouragement. He, yeah, he, he praised it. I do remember reading At that. At the El Rancho. <laughs> okay. Um, do you know who was with him? Hmm. Uh, the Tennessee Three, which I believe is his backing band. Oh, and then June Carter. And? Her band. The Statler Brothers. Okay. And? Just tell me. Carl Perkins. Who that? Blue Suede Shoes. Oh, the guy that wrote Blue Suede Shoes? Yeah. Okay. He actually played Blue Suede Shoes there. there that's a whole, that'll, that's a whole thing in the reviews and all that. Okay. Um... There were a couple duets with June. It's it's a whole weird track listing. There's both show or each show had a separate track listing. I'll get into more of that later. Um, so it was released in May of '68. Uh, Robert Kennedy was assassinated in June of '68. So the radio stations pulled at Folsom at they pulled the song. Because of a shot of man in Reno. And they edited that line. And then they re-released it. And Cash didn't want him to do that. But they're like, the label's like, hey, fuck you. Kind of thing. <laughs> um, I have a couple other things, but I will let you interject. And then I will come okay. back to me. So, well, I'll just kind of fluff out some of the things that you brought up. Like you said... Um, the idea came from his when he was in the Air Force in Germany based off that film. And the song contains not only his 
most iconic line, but perhaps one of the most iconic lines in the history of country music, which is the I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. But despite the popularity of his song and the album, Cash himself had never shared hard time prior to this. So the Folsom Prison... Why do I keep saying prism? The Folsom Prison song, like, talks about him being in prison, but he had not done prison time himself i think he had well okay it says late 50s okay continue but he had done he had done time but not in prison okay he had like minor yeah although he never served a prison sentence he still had incidents yes yeah okay so um like you said it was recorded live in california on january 13th of 68 the album was made up of songs taken from both concerts that he performed during that day and he used the album as a plea of compassion for those in prison that was also mixed with the spirit of 1968 and it became something comparable to other notable figures of the time like martin luther king jr and robert f kennedy so he's taking this time period and trying to do what a lot of other people did during that time he just this was like country music's version of hey we're stepping up and we're doing this for the people you know um so this album also led cash into becoming an international ambassador of country music prison reform a prison reform spokesman and a counterculture hero i got that off of his website i believe and so like johnny cash was big at the time in country music but what he did here kind of launched him into international stardom and he used it as a platform to speak out for prison reform, which I'll get into to more a little later. And I have a little bit on that, too. Okay. His daughter, um, Roseanne Cash, noted that he went into Folsom Prison. Prison? God damn it. Like, okay, we need a bell for you for every time we say prism. It's just the M off of Folsom right into prison. I'm just going to start calling the album FP. <laughs> just call it Folsom. Folsom. And came into the light. Is what she so he went in to Folsom and came into the light. Um, the idea da, 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 we did that one. Um, so this led to other prison recordings, like you said at San Quentin. That was 1969. Pa Osteraker, which is in Sweden in '73, and a concert behind prison walls at Tennessee State Prison in '74. The final song of this show was called Greystone Chapel and was written by a Folsom inmate. This inmate, Glenn Shirley, recorded the song and gifted a copy to the prison chaplain. This chaplain was also the pastor of a church in Ventura where Cash often went to service. He gave the recording to Cash a day before the shows and Cash insisted that he play alive, which I thought that was really neat. The other, the other line on that that I saw is, the inclusion of this song solidifies the authenticity of the album and its intent. Yeah. So each side of the album is one continuous track with applause, not the traditional silence that breaks up normal tracks. So I know we listened to it on Apple Music. So there was kind of a, a clear break in between. But if you were to play it on the record, the only sound there i mean there would be no silence between tracks it like you traditionally hear it's it's filled with do you know offhand i don't where it cut or like where side two started i don't know for sure 
Um, my last note here under history is that this album is where Johnny Cash earned the nickname Man in Black. Um, while he wore black, it meant something deeper. He was a troubadour singing songs of crime, conflicted conscience, and jail. While he sang about crimes, he treated the prisoners as human beings, singing to them in a way that related to them while entertaining them. Okay. I have a, I have a couple things to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I can remember where they are. Hmm. Um, a couple notes that I thought were interesting. Where was it? I don't know. Um, before uh, I Still Miss Someone, did you catch the audience member yelling, oh, hell, or something like that? Yeah, and then so he comes on and he says shit, and then he's like, we'll bleep that later, says, or something like that. This show is being recorded for an album release on Columbia Records, and you can't say hell or shit or anything like that. Yeah. And on, they recorded both shows completely. And he throws shit into a couple more tracks on the mm-hmm. second recording. Um, you said it takes from both shows. Uh huh. It only takes two from the second show. So most of this is the early show. Early show. You know, um, one thing I wish I could have done before we recorded this, and I didn't really think of this until now, is watch Walk the Line. Because I'm curious to see. They do a scene at Folsom. I'm wondering, I think he says something similar to this, if not that line, like where he brings up the curse words and stuff like that, I think. But it's it, it would be interesting to see some of this stuff, you know, how, how much they take from history. And I th- if, we're, if we're looking at that, it's been a while since we've watched it. They recorded it inside, right? Because I think originally he had an idea to record it out in the yard. And label the album "Cash Me Outside." Mm-hmm. No, I hate you. All right, are you done? Uh, for now. So we're moving on to culture. Yeah. Okay, you want me to go or you go? You go, because I've only got a couple things. Okay. So the album itself is credited with not only pushing Cash's career into the international scene, but was also responsible for pulling back the curtain on American prison life, and. That made me think of, like, Orange and the New Black. It, that show, Netflix, right? But it's based, it is based on a book, but it's based on, that book is based on somebody's time in prisons, in the prison system. So it's, while, you know, there are some liberties taken there, it does, like, shed a light on some of this stuff. And so you're thinking, this is, this is current day still happening and johnny cash brought it out to the forefront earlier now i know everybody has their own opinion on the criminal justice system and the the prison reform and you know like shut up and death penalty things and you know it's it's this big issue here and some people are so black and white and they say well you do the crime you gotta do the time but they're still human beings and they're treated poorly. Now, some people I think should be, but that's just me. But you have some people in there who minor offenses treated awfully. And he was trying to bring that to the forefront. Yeah. And I, I think before we get too deep into that, that that's a discussion for a later or not necessarily a later date, but a different 
podcast because I don't think that's either of our lanes. No. To really get into that. No. Um, the So this album went to number one on the country charts and peaked at 13 on the pop album charts, staying on the charts for a total of 124 weeks. It was certified gold that October, and it went on to win a country music award for the album of the year, a Grammy for best album notes, and was inducted in the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2018. The album later went on to achieve triple platinum status in 2003 and was chosen by the Library of Congress for addition to, into the National Recording Registry. That was one of my parts. And um, they then they released the uh, Legacy Edition that mm-hmm. has both full shows, mm-hmm. recordings. Yeah. So anything else to add? Um, I'm going to take a different lane. Um, I got a it up in front of me do you know well we'll do the easy one first um you said we said that he had never actually been in prison he credits this album and the ensuing fame as helping turn his life around though because he had had a lot of uh several he was arrested several times in the late 50s and early 60s mainly for drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. so this kind of helps him get his life back together mm-hmm. um did you know i know we were talking about the prison reform did you know he testified in front of congress no for let me pull up the uh it was the hearings before the subcommittee on national penitentiaries of the committee of the committee on the judiciary united states senate uh 92nd congress to amend parole legislation that is an amazon product title that is way too fucking long it's government uh july 25th 26th and 27th of 1972 and i oh so is this why you were asking me about the d snyder thing yeah because it it's the same in a sense it's the same kind of thing it's somebody testifying before congress and i i don't really know how to cite that so that's why i, I want to see if we can i'll show you this real quick and then i'll get into the actual testing so can you figure out how to cite that and kind of bring that up now so evan is saying thank you via amanda to the um i think i found it in the california state archives yeah to the franklin pierce law center library for allowing him to read this pdf of the parole legislation um but it was i mean the u.s senate yeah that's why i was i was a little confused as to how to cite it just because it's i mean you basically you need to bring it up that you got your information from a source rather than just saying i pulled this from the internet i pulled it from my brain okay so i want to read a few quotes from him okay uh he actually had, it wasn't just him, it was, there was another, they, he went with two convicts that I believe had been paroled at that point. Uh, one was Glenn Shirley. Okay. Who wrote Graceland Chapel. Right. Um, I have been in the entertainment business now for 16 years, and shortly after I began, I performed my first concert at a prison at the request of the inmates at Huntsville, Texas State Prison. I went from there to Folsom, to San Quentin, to Arkansas, 
Arkansas State Prison, and I met many fine men, inmates, and the personnel who run the prisons in all of these places. And I found over a period of 17 years, I believe that possibly 25% of the men behind the bars really need to be in a prison. Uh, I have seen and heard things at some of the concerts that would chill the blood of the average citizen, but I think possibly the blood of the average citizen needs to be chilled in order for public apathy and conviction to come about, because right now we have 1972 problems and 1872 jails. Uh, in another prison, a teenager was imprisoned and his clothes were taken away from him to shame him for his crime, and he hanged himself. Uh, the purpose behind prison reform should also be that there be less crime on the streets, that our streets, that our cities, should be a safe place for a wife and children to walk down. But in order for this to come about, the men in prison have to be treated as human beings. If they are not, when they are turned out on the streets, they are not going to act like human beings. Uh, as the system is now, when an 18-year-old is put into prison for possession of marijuana, you have made a criminal out of him, as Glenn said, and in five years he comes out an educated, well-trained criminal in the ways and in the skills of crime, and I think that is a crime in itself to do that to a man. Um, there's a whole... And when, when was this again? 72. 72, and this is now 2022, and, and not I, much has fucking changed. And I <laughs> I can get the bill number, like, I, you can, it's relatively easy to find the PDF, and it's a bunch of legal speak to figure out what bill it is, so I don't even know if what happened with this bill or the long-term effects of that, and like I said, that's a topic for somebody else to get into. Um, there's a long section about one of his performances. Uh, and as I came on stage, they said, okay, show me something. And they had on sunglasses and a beard, which was their mask, to mask out anybody trying to get through to them. So I started performing, and as I got halfway into my concert, I remembered that I had performed at Folsom Prison, and I took my 75-year-old father to me. So I said, I am going to dedicate a song to my daddy. And I said, my daddy was good to me most of the time. Usually he was the greatest daddy in the world. And I said, any of you guys got a daddy like that? And, you know, they started pushing each other. Yeah, my old man. You know, and I could see them talking. Uh, well, about after about two-thirds of the way through the concert, I think about two-thirds of them dropped their arms. And when I saw I was getting through to them, I said, I performed last night in Chicago and tonight in downtown Pittsburgh, and tomorrow afternoon in Dallas. And they do not pay very good at West Pennsylvania State, you know. And I got to be here because I care, right? Because we would not allow the press into that concert. And they said, you know, they started nodding, and so I felt that by the end of the concert, when they saw that I really did care, that all of us cared in my concert, and most of all, most all of them, but about two of them, had dropped their arms, and were tapping their toes or smiling along with us. And if we could have come in with some good program and hit them with it right then and started working on them, you know, with the attitude of good spirit and a caring spirit, I believe, believe a lot of good could be done. I have one more. Okay. If a man is in for 10 years, he knows that when his time comes, 
he's going to be allocated approximately two minutes of consideration for parole. And they're going to listen to him for only two minutes to tell what kind of man he is. And they may be spending the biggest part of those two minutes telling him what kind of a man they think he is. So he, there was a whole big thing on prison reform. And he, like I said, he testified in front of Congress. And there's a, I don't remember how many pages the whole thing is. I think it's like 200 pages of testimony. There was at least 10 pages, I believe, of him and Shirley and... I don't remember. I unfortunately don't remember the other one's name. So I'm guessing he was testifying for a good 20 to 30 minutes talking about wanting wanting prison reform. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that stems from doing these shows. Yeah. So you wanted, I took a different approach. You wanted to talk about the impact that it had on like the music, but I wanted to briefly discuss that since I found, once I found out that he testified, I wanted to. Yeah. Discuss that for a bit. It's not so much that he had an impact on music, per se. It's it's a cultural impact section. So he did have some impact. And it's, you know, nowadays we have social media where everybody's on their phones. Everybody's streaming everything about everything in their daily damn lives. And a lot of things... You don't know if it's real or if it's staged. So it's nice to see something like this happen before social media ever existed. He was using his platform for good. He was using his name and his star status trying to make things better for people. Yeah. You know, and he wasn't just like blowing his money off his nose and, you know, going out on vendors all the time. He, he was trying to turn his life around, turn the lives around of others. And it was before it, it wasn't some kind of like publicity stunt. Yeah. So, yeah. So we move it on to reviews. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm not going to play the game of what you like, what you didn't like, but I'm going to, I am going to have a question for you when you are done. So me first. Yep. So I thought it was a fun album to listen to. It was, it's a different one. It's the first one we did that was live. It's the only live one on this list. Is it really? And I'll get into that real quick. I'm, I found a list of uh, Rolling Stone's top 50 live albums from 2015. And it's surprising that Thin Lizzy's Live and Dangerous, Motorhead's No Sleep Till Hammersmith. I know that's a little heavier, but still. Uh, Peter Frampton's Frampton Comes Alive. Deep Purple's Made in Japan. Kisses Alive. All of these are in the top 50. And you would think that at least one of them would be on the list. Um, Folsom is number three Almond Brothers at Fillmore East is two and James Brown Live at the Apollo is one but it, yeah it's it's looking at that like Frampton Comes Alive was the best selling album until the Saturday Night, Saturday Night Fever soundtrack which is on this list came out but that was mm-hmm. that was 76 so that was before Thriller before Black Back in Black all those yeah yeah it's just weird that out of all the live albums that are out there, I, I, under, I understand what he is and all that, but I'm surprised that this is the one that got picked. Because it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know? It's not the, it's not the, mu- if it's the Music Hall of Fame, you know what I mean? Right, but it, it, I think it's, be- so earlier I said it, it went to 
number whatever i can't can't even remember number 13 13 on the pop album charts that's what makes it part of the rock and roll hall of fame it's not just it's i mean i know okay it's been a long time since we went to the rock and roll hall of fame but they have all kinds of genres i know i know and it's it's weird that okay so that's a crossover ray charles modern sounds uh, that one that's not on this list right and that you want to talk about a a crossover album yeah and it's just it's just weird that it's the only one. Right. Right. When there are not But what makes Johnny Cash different? He's a white man. I mean that's why Ray Charles is so sitting and why we have it on our records wall is because that was a big album because it was the first album that was accepted by a white audience for a black artist. artist. And so it's Johnny Cash is white. He's already there, you know, so it's that it's easier for the people to handle. Yeah. It's sad to say, but that's yeah, what and I it guess boils it, down to. I guess out of these it'd be the earliest released one. I mean, that was sixty eight. Mm-hmm. I um Deep Purple was seventy two, so Yeah. But that's a that's a again, that's a different story. So go on with my review. Yeah. So personally, and you know this about me, I am not a fan of listening to live songs. I don't know what it is really. I just, I prefer the studio version of it. Ghost aside, because they put on one fucking hell of a show. But I don't, like, if if the live album was released, I don't really want to listen to it. I like listening to just the straight song. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it's a lot of the fluff that they do with the audience. Don't care for it. Um... That being said, I enjoyed listening to this live concert because you can hear the fact that he cares. You can just hear it. Um, So like some other artists we've talked about, I like some of Johnny Cash's stuff, but wouldn't consider myself a fan. But after learning more about this album and what Cash tried to do for Prisoners, I appreciate it more. I think I appreciate this like a lot more than any of the other albums we've done. Um, He, like I said, he uses star status to help people and I really like that. Um, also, not being a fan of country in general, I was surprised at how many songs I actually enjoyed here. Usually, I'm more attracted to the sounds of music rather than lyrics, but for this album, I found that I enjoyed the stories that the songs were telling more than the music itself. You like the sound of music. Fuck you. Um, so, I'm keeping. Folsom Prison Blues. I said it again. Prism. Prism. FP Blues. Okay. <laughs> um, I still miss someone. Cocaine Blues, 25 minutes to go, and I got stripes. 25 minutes to go is fun. Do you know who wrote that? Who? Shel Silverstein. I am not surprised. <laughs> and you listen to that and you're like, okay. Yo, that makes that makes sense. Um, an honorable mention. I have a, an honorable mention. Greystone Chapel. Um, for me, the song was just okay. But I really like that Cash took something that an inmate wrote and surprised him with it at the concert. And to me, that's something wholesome. And like I said, you don't hear a lot about that stuff. Back before social media was showing everybody's dinner every day, you know? Yeah. So, overall rating, I give it an A-. minus. Okay. You go. So, you're going to have to bear with me on this. Because this is going to be a long, more long-winded than I normally go. I am a bear. And go. So, we... I talked about when we were discussing kind of blue is like how I'm reviewing it based on the situation. 
as what <laughs> based on the what yeah, situation like, like if it like if we were playing kind of do it kind of blue if it's like for a dinner party or all that but if it's like oh, listening okay. okay okay so so the not the, so the situation makes it sound like i i don't know a situation is like a fire or <laughs> some sort of emergency a situation is not a dinner party we got a situation jesus go so just just let me go and then you can question because i know you question my reviews i question everything about your existence as it currently is released i am going to give it a c i i have c I ha- for cash no i am there are a few things that save it i think there are a few tracks here and there like 25 minutes ago and all and all that that say I, I have questions now. Okay, hold on. Let me see if this... Let me go through this and see if it makes sense. So, my main issues... I don't like live albums. I, I just don't. There are, I think, three live albums that I have in my collection. I have two Iron Maiden ones. And I have a Sabaton, but it's more of video. I think it's more of a video album. But it's... I love the track lists or I love the energy. So even if Iron Maiden was to put out, Iron Maiden has put out like, I don't know, 10 live albums. There are a couple, most of them I don't like because I don't like the track list. I don't like the, either the venue or the, the time period that it is. You know, the, the one that I really like is from, uh, is, from the World Slavery Tour. It's Live After Death. It's a great track list. Bruce still has his vocal range. There's some dicking around with the crowd. There's there's great energy to it. There's all of that. As a whole, most of this sounds like a studio recording. I understand that there's some conversation going back and forth. But the applause, to me, that that energy that is brought on by the applause does not seem. It seems like it's a loop. Like there's like there's a not a stock five second applause, but it seems like that applause section is is placed at the end of tracks. So it it doesn't feel as I guess authentic. Okay. Hold on. No, the, I'm trying to. My brain is trying to translate what you mean. I don't. Just continue. The short version is as it sits, it does not feel like an authentic live album. Okay. Um, I like I said, I understand that there are parts where he's talking with the crowd. Uh, the only one that I thought really sounded live was "Dark as a Dungeon." Is okay. It, is it "Dark as a Dungeon" or "Dark as the Dungeon"? Still. That's as it sits. If you were to tell me that it was a studio album with a couple of quote-unquote live performances and they piped in some applause, it's a B plus. I mean, it's a, it's a solid album. It's just I don't think it works as a live album. Now, the other part of this, that's as it sits. 
So I decided to take some time and go into the Legacy Edition. Because both shows are about 25, 25 tracks. They're both about, they're a little over an hour. Um, and there are tracks that, are, that were performed that were not on the recording. Like, uh, Blue Suede Shoes was played at both, um, what was it? I can, I can go into all this and, and put this actual list out there, but there are, I believe, I'd have to see how many, I think there are 35, roughly 35 different tracks. Okay. That includes the, the intro, the, his introduction, the announcements, the closing announcements, all that. And the bullshit in between? No. The bullshit in between is, is classified as part of that track. Okay. So, like the, he was talking about the, you can't say shit on the record. Mm -hmm. That's still classified as part of the, part of the, track. the track. There are f 15, 16 tracks on the recording. Okay. On the on the official version of it, two of them are from the second show. If I was to take this track list from the legacy version, there were eight tracks that were performed in the first show that were not performed in the second show. There are eight tracks that were performed in the second show that were not performed in the first show. So we'd start there. We take all the all these ones that were only performed. In one of the two, and we'll start there. Uh, Folsom Prison Blues and song called Busted sound about the same in show one and show two. So take your pick, whichever show, flip a coin, and pick that one. I would take, and these aren't in order of the track list, the, the intro announcement, or where he gets introduced, the opening announcements, and the closing announcements. From the second show. The version of 25 minutes to go from the second show, I think, is better than the first. Same with Orange Blossom Special, The Legend of John Henry's Hammer, which was not on the official version, and Dirty Old Egg Sucking Dog, because there's more crowd stuff. There's it. These are some, some of them are, are, better live tracks and some of them are just better versions mm -hmm. um and then i would take you know uh what is it flush from the bathroom jackson greengrass graystone blue suede shoes from the first show is better i would take what is it it's so it's eight tracks from the second show that were not performed on the first show okay eight tracks from the first show that were not performed on the second show two tracks that are interchangeable seven tracks from the first show that were played at the second show but the first show is better and eight tracks from the second show that were also performed on the first show that this no i got that backwards seven from the second show that were also performed that are better and eight from the first show that were performed that are better does that make any sense kind of yeah so it's it's a combination of the of the legacy edition of both shows. Gotcha. If that is the official album, and this is going to shock you, I will give it an A. 
Say what? I do not like live. I do not like country. If this is the track list that this album is released as, it gets an A. Well, I guess that's as, fair because... As it sits, it's they, it's not a... I don't think it's a... It's um, not a fair representation of what a, happened. Exactly. No, that makes sense. For once in your life, your weird-ass brain made some sense. Yeah, I, and I was... Do you want a cookie? We still have Christmas cookies yes. in the freezer. I was very interested to see, like, the different versions. Like, there's a... I don't have the lines in front of me, but he's... There's another shit, and um, he forgets the lines in a couple of them, and it just it feels more like a live show. It's he's having fun with it, mm-hmm. and it's not just that one. I think um, which which was I don't remember which one it was because they're not marked on here. I think it's Green Green Gas of Home. He's like he's going on, and he's like I forgot the chorus, or I forgot I forgot how that verse goes. So it feels. Oh yeah. Okay. So it feels like a more authentic live performance. Yeah. If that is the version that is released, but like I said, as it sits, especially after listening to everything else, it has to it has to be low on my list because of the representation that I know exists. So I have a question for you. Okay. Because you've admitted that you played piano, right? Mm-hmm. Did you ever have any piano recitals? Mm-hmm. Do you ever forget? Forget like, that I had piano recitals? No, no. Like, forget your... Because, like, okay, we when I took piano, I had to memorize the song. Did you have to memorize the song, or could you use the music? I had the, I had the sheet music. Okay, so you could... Do you understand how frightening it is to be up on stage and forget? That is that is terrifying. So I'm glad that, like, he, he was so, like... Um... I, I don't know the word I want to use there because like six words are meshing in my mind and I don't know. He was so good about it. And yeah. I will. Lighthearted. Uh, that's that's the word I want to use. Oh. I will send this list to you. I will I will put it together on a on a playlist, and I will actually uh, go through and say I will make this list look nice and neat, and I'll throw it up on one of the socials and say here. This is, I think, a more definitive version of this album, if you want to go check it out. Okay. So, we into final thoughts now? Um. The Jerry Springer portion of the show, if you will? Yeah. Okay. Me first or you first? You go, because I'm trying to figure this out. <laughs> okay. Trying to organize your notes? Yeah. So, overall, I enjoy the album, but I think it's more for the history behind it rather than the music itself. For me, my Johnny Cash go-to songs are Ring of Fire, Her, A Boy Named Sue, and I Walk the Line. Do you know who wrote Boy Named Sue? No. Shel Silverstein? Shut the front door. I like that. I like that. Okay. Okay, hold on. I think. I think. You can't. Oh, my God. Go ahead. laying down facts. They're not facts if you can't give me the receipts. Um, It was good. But it's not something that I go to over and over again. So that was my final thought. Are yeah. You ready? A song written by Humorous Children's author and poet Shel Silverstein and made popular by Johnny Cash. Okay. So your final thoughts. Um, don't go with the don't go with the album release. Go with the like, go with, go with the legacy and 
as as a pay, as much of a pain in the ass it's going to be listen to both versions like from show one to show two listen to both versions of like 25 minutes to go since we're talking about shell sales pick your pick your favorite out of those two and then replace that version in the middle of it mm-hmm. and you don't even have to listen to it and that's the other thing is the problem with live albums is there's kind of a distinct flow and an even flow <laughs> that's actually i believe on a later album but that's a different story there's a there's a distinct so doing it through the different through the legacy is going to kind of mess that up so if you can find studio versions cuz like i said if this was if it had been released as is as a studio album, I would keep it. Yeah. I will... It will be on more on rotation more than you think it would be for me. I would not have a problem playing my definitive version of it. Okay. On, like, working out in the shed or mowing the lawn. I would not have a... I would not have an issue listening to tracks off of this album. Mm-hmm. As much as you think I would not being a country fan, not being a live recording. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to let you thank your sources first. Uh, does you always say that I steal them from you. Does the um, Congress recording already count that we... Yeah, you can say thank you again. Just say thank you to the Congress recording. Okay. Thank you to the transcript or being able to find the transcript there for his... Okay. And the other source that I used is from American Blues Scene from September of 21. It was, why did Johnny Cash play at Folsom Prison? Ten facts about at Folsom Prison (laughs) by J.D. Nash in September of 21, which I already said to start. So thank you. That's it? Yep. So I'm going to say thank you to at Folsom Prison on johnnycash.com. Thank you to Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison. Jesus Christ. From Discogs.com. Thank you to at Folsom Prison <laughs> Review. Um, written by Stephen Thomas Earlwine. Um, no date on that on AllMusic.com. Didn't he write one early, from yeah. an earlier source? Yeah. Okay. I, I thought that name sounded familiar. And I'm also going to say thank you to Why Did Johnny Cash Play at Folsom Prison? Ten facts about at Folsom Prison. Because you can also think a source twice. Now who's a source stealer? JD. Didn't steal it because I'm also thinking because I also used it. Didn't well, steal you also it. did it two weeks stealing before me. Impro- yeah, stealing it implies that I didn't let you have it. Period. We both brought information from it, so I can also. You took it from me it. at knife point. Two weeks before you used it. The knife it from- that you used to cut yourself. Go to hell. Okay. I should probably clarify what that story is so they nope. don't think that nope. you're... No, we don't need to tell them about okay. the... T- well, hold on. She's fine. There's nothing wrong with her physically. I mean, mentally. <laughs> mentally, she's not all there, you but that has to nothing to do with story. this. Huh? Don't don't share this story. I'm not. I'm just leaving it that. All that. right. Do you have any recommendations? Uh... Not to get stabbed at knife point. Okay. Is that what you're going with? Yep. I was going to say my recommendation this week is to make time for yourself. We've had, not not we, I've had 
a very busy schedule lately and I've not made time for myself. And making time for yourself is not picking up the house or mowing the lawn or doing the dishes. That's making time for chores that need done. Making time for yourself is getting away and taking five minutes to breathe or go watching a show you want to watch and not your husband watch wants to watch or play a game that you want to play and not what your husband wants to play. Okay, that that's a lot better than what I was going to, how I was going to continue that sentence. Please remember now, now that we know, my nieces listen to this. <laughs> so whatever it is you're about to say needs to be 12 and 11 year appropriate. <laughs> So are we ready for this day in history? I need a response from you because it's just dead air. Yeah, because this is an audio medium and they can't see <laughs> your hand movements. Is that our... I was at least speaking. You just stared at me. So you could say yes. Yes, I'm ready for that, ma'am. No. Okay. So today is... I am is... not ready for this jelly. Ugh. Today is May 11th. So... 1963, the Beatles started a 30... Who that? I am going to punch you in the jugular. <laughs> the Beatles started a 30-week run at number one with Please Please Me, which was their debut album, making it the longest-running number one album by a group. This was replaced in December by... Do you know what? December of... 1963. Was it another Beatles album? It was. Uh, hold on. How many words is it? Three. Shit. Because I just listened to... I'm going to give you a hint. Two of them are the band name. (laughs) You're taking too long. It's with the Beatles. Okay. So it stayed there for 21 weeks. I was, so, yeah, I was trying to think of the Beatles they, for sale or something. Yeah, they started this 30-week run, and then they t- knocked themselves off with their, their next album. Okay, 1964. The Rolling Stones were denied lunch at the Grand Hotel in Bristol in UK because they were not wearing jackets and ties. This actually made the news. <laughs> I think it was headlines in the news. Um, 1970, the triple soundtrack album Woodstock was released and it reached gold status within two weeks. The album features songs by Crosby, Stills, and Nash, The Who, Jefferson Airplane, Joe Cocker, and Santana, among others. Yeah, how does that make you feel that Santana was at Woodstock? That that's, that that's how long he's been around. That makes me feel fine because I knew he was classic rock before I got into rock, sir. Remember... This goes back to, okay, I'm bringing this up. At dinner, I had a knife, cutting up the pork chop, chalk, Jesus Christ, cutting up the pork chop, and what did you say to me? Something, you, what did you bring up about something being old? Like, you dated something. Oh, you? No, what was it, though? You? But what specifically? Like, you said something like, this is oh, this old now. The fact that Nevermind was released in the late 1900s? Yes! And you worded it that way. And now I was really upset, and I looked at you, dead serious. And I said, you never say that to somebody who has a knife in their hand. Don't insult person with a knife in their hand, sir. Anyway, 
I'm really a nice person. I feel like I should put that disclaimer. Don't shake your head. <laughs> People need to hear you laughing. You know. I'm not laughing. I d- shut up. <laughs> I was talking to my friend last week, and I told her we were getting ready to uh, post this. And I said, I was so worried about people making comments that I'm so evil and so mean because Evan is a silent laugher. And you can see that he's laughing, but you can't hear that he's laughing. So I yell at you all the time like you need to laugh. And she never realized it until you said it. Yeah. Yeah. And now that you say it, you're like, oh, yep, I can, I can see it. Yeah. But you really should like practice being vocal because people are going to think I'm mean to you when I can see you laughing. Ha. Ha. Yeah, you're a dick. Okay. I've done that before, too. Yes, I know. Uh, 1972, John Lennon appeared on the Dick Cavett show in the U.S. claiming he was under surveillance from the FBI. Which I believe was correct. Really? Okay. Uh, I don't know if it was FBI, CIA, but I believe there were some, there was some type of surveillance on him. Okay. Uh, 1974. My favorite band, anytime, okay, I'm going to give you a hint, This because it starts with this band. Who is my favorite band to give you as an answer anytime you ask me a band question? Ghost. Not, it. okay, before Ghost. Anytime you would say, like, who's this song by? The Who. Jesus Christ, you are not. I'm not helping. No, you're doing this on purpose. I'm trying to, who, who do I always say? Black Sabbath. God damn it. Fuck you. Led Zeppelin attended an Elvis Presley show in L.A. This, this show. Elvis was still Still alive? doing his thing. Yeah. When did he die? I don't know. When did he quote unquote die? After this. <laughs> Zombie Elvis. No, this is before. This is this is the whole start of the hologram thing. Okay. So anyway, the, the show had a rough start with Elvis actually stopping the concert saying, wait a minute, if we can start together, fellas, because we've got Led Zeppelin out here, let's try to look like we know what we're doing. <laughs> so after the show, the band got to meet Elvis. They stayed there for, I think it said two hours, where he actually asked for their autographs for his daughter. Um, 1981, Jamaican singer-songwriter Bob Marley passed away due to cancer. Uh, Elvis was 77. Was Died in 77. I was going to say. English language clarification. Um, and there was, that's, a, that's another interesting one is Bob Marley because I don't remember if it's... There was some underlying medical condition that I believe he refused treatment for. Uh-huh, and it turned out to be cancer. And I, don't, and I don't remember why he refused treatment, but it might have had to do with the government. I don't know. But it's a thing you can look into. And report back next week when I see you got any corrections or grievances. Um, 1985. Bruce Springsteen and a few friends went out for a night of drinking just a few days before his wedding. At the bar, Springsteen sang several of his own songs, karaoke style, as they were playing in the jukebox. Can you imagine being at a bar and Springsteen is singing Springsteen like everybody else is singing everybody else's songs? Yeah. Um... Did you find it or can I go on? Go on. I'll, I found an article, but Wait. just go on. 2002, over 500 Michael Jackson fans held a protest out of, outside of Sony Records in Berlin complaining that the label hadn't promoted the singer's most recent album, Invincible. A weird thing to do, but it was on the list, so I thought, why not? And my... What? Uh, 
it was a conspiracy. Whereas all conspiracy theories, theorists agree that his life couldn't have been saved. There are those who believe that the singer didn't die of a natural cause. It was rumored that the cancer was artificially induced in his great in his right great toe by people who were threatened by his existence. Right. Yeah, I was like, I remember there's a theory about it, but I don't remember what it was, and I I think I do remember that it was that it started in this book. Okay, so last one, 2011. One of the rarest rock T-shirts in the world sold for ten thousand dollars, making it the largest sum ever paid for a vintage T-shirt. It was for a 1979 Grateful Dead. No, Led Zeppelin shirt. Because there's a, I know there's a Grateful Dead one that's. I, I think it was like the way that they were produced. They don't. They didn't last. Mm-hmm. Okay, ready for birthdays. Birthdays. Yeah. <laughs> Irving Berlin. If you don't know the name, I do know the name. I was gonna he say was you're married to a music right? nerd. Yes, American and composer the, and, and lyricist, most the notably, most notably for White Christmas. Okay, so then forties. Okay, so what year? So born in the twenties then. No. Teens. No. In the late 1800s. Yes. 1832. No. <laughs> Your math is wrong. 1888. Tony Barrow. I, don't, I think that's how you say it. Spell it. B-A-R-R-O-W. Okay. Don't know the name. He is a press officer. What was? A press officer, I think. Never mind. Should not say he's dead. I don't know that for a fact. <laughs> press officer for the Beatles between 1962 and 1968. He is responsible for the phrase, the Fab Four. So he probably would have been in his mid-30s, late late 30s, early 40s. So 30s? 30s, yeah. Do you want to narrow it down some? Between 31 and 39. God damn it, 1936. I was right. Butch Trucks. Drummer for the Almond Brothers Band. Uh, okay, so that was more 70s, so 44? 47. Okay. And Christoph Doom Schneider. I was hoping you would know who that name was. He's the drummer for Rammstein. Oh, they're in their 60s. They're old. So, what year is he born? Or was he born? He's still alive. They just released a new album. Yeah? Like, well, within the last month okay, or so. give me a year. Hold on. So, I think they're in their 60s, so that would have been, we'll call it like 57, Mm-mm. somewhere in that range. Was it? Is it 60s? Mm-hmm. 62? 66. Okay. So, yay. Any, okay, anything else before we go? Because... I need to eat some pie. Oh, I thought you were going to have more people. I know. I said that's the last one. Oh. Well, you're no fun. Well, I'm sorry. that There were other people, but, like, I'm trying to focus on names that you or, like, names of either people you would know or people who were attached to a band you would know. Like, you know, the Allman Brothers one. I'll tell you. Throw out some ones from left field. Okay. Next time. And I, I okay. would be, I think you'll be surprised at how many of these I 
as long as they're not like a German band that was active from like 67 to 69 and released oh, yeah. one and, EP. And I don't just do it for you. That was recorded in the basement of the Berlin Wall. I don't just do it for you, but I do it for the people, you know, trying to pick. pick the 10 people? Yeah, the 10 people who listen. Because it's also, you know, they're pulling, like I've seen a person who wrote one song that hit the top of the charts that you might not have heard but it's like a Motown hit or something. You know, some like random off the wall thing. So I don't know. You got anything else? Because like I said, I need pie. And people have been texting me. I probably should respond. No. <laughs> no? You good? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so say goodbye, Evan. Oh, wait, wait. I probably should do the outro. Yeah, that would help. Okay. Um, thank you for listening to episode number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. I'm okay. Um, find us on social media. Go, Evan. What's social media? Social media is a way for people to connect with each other that aren't in the same room. And you can find us at social media, which is where you said you said you could just find us on social media. <laughs> what are we on on Instagram? You can find us using a string and two tin cans to call us because <laughs> one of us is that old. All ten people live in the same town. <laughs> yep. Um, find us on Instagram at Worst Pod on Mars and Twitter on the same thing and email us at the Worst Pod on Mars and gmail.com. Is that right? I think it's right. Say those again. At Worst Pod on Mars. Where? Twitter. On Mars. And Twitter and Instagram. Okay. And then g- Gmail us at Gmail us. Gmail.com. <laughs> Just type in a general Gmail. It'll find its way to us. We'll find it at some point. At the worst. No, it's not at. The worst pod on Mars at gmail.com. We'll edit this and, and post. No, don't, don't edit this because. Do you hear the ice cream truck? I hear the ice cream truck. I think it's time to go. Okay, so, bye. No, no, no. I got to see what the next episode is. <sighs> then the we can go truck. ice cream. Okay, next episode we're doing the doors by the doors. Okay, bye. Okay, ice cream truck.